0: In dick of the week. We talk about dirty stuff and use dirty language. We're rated M for mature. Listener discretion is advised.
1: <laughs> dick of the week. Dick of the week. Dick of the week. Dick. 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 Dick of the week. Dick. Dick. Dick of the week. Dick of the week. Dick. Dick, dick. Dick, dick. Dick of the week. Dick. Dick. Dick of the week. Give me that dick. <laughs> And welcome to this week's episode of Dick of the Week. I am your host, Liz Zirkel, and Stephanie is still on baby leave. So with me today, I have a very special guest coming all the way from Seattle, Joanne Machin. Hello. Hello. I'm. Excited. I'm, so, I'm so excited that you agreed to do this. Yeah, we have a real big dick to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is gonna be kind of like a, Semi-two-topic episode, uh, because of some romance genre drama that went down today, the day where we are recording, um, so it'll be kind of old news by the time this is posted, but it's it happened today, so we're going to want to talk about it, but... Before we get into any of that, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, Joanne? Yeah. So like you said, I am based
0: in Seattle where I live with my husband and my little dog, Oliver. I am a writer of contemporary romance. I'm working on my first book with my agent right now and I'm really excited about it. Whoop whoop. Not for like two years, but you know, good time to start hyping it up, right? Never too early.
1: <laughs> Never too um, early. Yeah,
0: And I'm also a freelance editor. Yeah, that's who I am. I do a lot, a lot of different things on my free time, including writing romance.
1: What are your non-romance or writing or editing related kind of hobbies and desires and likes and all that?
0: When in my little free time, <laughs> um, <laughs> I work at a bookstore, um, and I also play video games. Pre-COVID, I did hot yoga
1: once a week, and I really enjoyed that. But post-COVID, I don't do that anymore. Yeah. Oh my god, I miss the gym. Like here. Here in St. Louis, because we don't give a fuck about safety, uh, gyms are open, um, but I haven't been to the gym since March, and my husband and I typically work on good weeks, anywhere between one to three times a week, we would go to the gym to lift, oh, and I have um, not been so great at doing that uh, with our at-home weights. He's really good at it. He, like He does shit every day, and I'm like, I'm busy reading. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: I did a romance um, that had a character that power lifted and taught her nieces to power lift. So I'll send that to you. I think you appreciate it.
1: Yeah, definitely. I love I love strong ladies. I love it. It's like I feel like um, I started lifting, I guess, like five or so years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Six years ago at this point. I don't know. Time has no meaning, which I feel like is a thing I say on literally every episode of this podcast, that time has no meaning. But I had a trainer. And he was a power lifter, and mm-hmm. so he always included a lot of lifting in our sessions, which I loved and continued doing it after I stopped seeing him. And then luckily, Jeremy also likes lifting. so that's that's what we do together at the gym because he mm-hmm. likes running, and that is not my thing.
0: I didn't realize how fragile and weak I was a few years back, and I have so much admiration for people who can. Lift heavy things
1: (laughs) (laughs) One day I'll have my strength back (laughs) Oh gosh Well um, Have you read anything that you've really Enjoyed recently Oh goodness Um,
0: Are you thinking just romance
1: Yeah Um, I am in the middle of taking hit Danny Brown
0: I literally will read anything Talia Hibbert writes Like she could write a phone book And I would probably pay $20 And still read it (laughs) Um, i am in the middle of a novella by katie robert called your dad will do i love the premise it's so juicy so um the main character a woman finds out that her husband or i think her fiance um they're engaged is uh cheating on her so she goes and seduces his father what (laughs) yes it is very very bonkers but very steamy and very juicy i just love the whole premise of it it's I, I read it I read the description and I was like yes put it into my eyeballs <laughs> 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 oh my god that is amazing um, so those two I'm trying to think of the last romance book I like completely finished that's hard to do right now because I can't focus on anything but hopefully I'll be finishing Take a Hint uh, Denny Brown soon
1: I loved it. I liked it even more than Chloe Brown. It's so
0: hard because she's such a great writer and she is so funny. I think I read the first couple of pages and I like laughed crying within the first
1: chapter. <laughs> and I feel like her humor is shown even more in Danny Brown's book. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like the first chapter about how she's praying for Dick.
0: Uh, <laughs> and I was like, yes, this is, I love it so much. It's, it's
1: hysterical. <laughs> I just finished my first Jennifer Kruse book. Kruse, is oh, that you your last name? The uh, spy one? Yeah, Agnes and the Hitman. Oh, I
0: love Jennifer Kruse so much. Agnes and Hitman
1: was a little low on my list, but um, how'd you like it? I actually, so it took me, I will be honest, it took me a little bit to get into it. Like just mm-hmm. the writing was a little weird and quirky. It but is. once I, once I got a few chapters into it, I, I was sucked in. It was fascinating. Um, Cause yeah, I mean, she, she's a, a cook and yeah. has like a, a food column and he's a hitman but works for the government and it's just it's fascinating there's mafia stuff happening and yeah. wedding planning and it's it's yeah. great. It's really fun. Yeah. I wanna read more of hers now. Yeah. And I, I know there's a couple yeah. that you've mentioned before and there's a few that both Christina and Mika have said are like their absolute favorite books. So I'm gonna have to do a Jennifer dive soon
0: and check yeah, out more. Something I didn't realize about Agnes and the Hitman until afterwards was it's co written, right? So it was written uh, with uh, Jennifer Crusey and I think Bob Meyer. Um, yeah. I've never read a thriller before. I've only read my first thriller like recently. And I think one thing that i found difficult uh, about it was like the chapters that are in, I think, Shane's view are really stripped down. Like he would read in a thriller, like he did this, he did this. So it felt like it was very, very stripped down. Um, but that's pretty typical in thrillers. Like you don't get a lot of fluff. In thrillers like you do in romance but looking back
1: that was probably why so do you know did jennifer write the agnes chapter like the agnes points of views and bob write the shane or i, I wonder have no I'm, idea i'm curious if they talk about that anymore i'll have to do some research yeah before i record a podcast this weekend about it <laughs> I would recommend, if you're looking for more jennifer books bet me has I think all of her dog,
0: all of her books have dogs. And then, Bet Me has a plus size heroine. The hero has dyslexia and there's a dog in it. And then uh, Welcome to Temptation is one of my favorite, favorite books of all time. I haven't read it in like 10 years, but it was like my gateway to romance. And I was like, I was sucked in immediately.
1: Yay, I'm going to check these out.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're like mass market paperbacks. So there should be really fast reads
1: yeah yeah i'll see if the library has any before i buy more books because i've bought so many things recently and i need to save money for christmas (laughs) well uh let's jump into our first topic which is the romance drama that is brewing right this very moment um (laughs) do you 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 saw it this morning before i did you want to explain a little what's happening Okay, so first, like, just full disclosure, if
0: you are ever a new writer into a genre, especially a genre you've never read before, do not ever say, I'm going to write the new X, Y, and Z, and I'm going to do it better, because there's a chance, there's a really, really large chance you're not going to do it better because it's your
1: first book. Right, like I feel like that that's literally good advice for anything, if you're new to anything i'm gonna write the next
0: harry potter or i'm gonna write the next star wars but i'm gonna do it better but those people wrote those books for a reason after they wrote many other books and they're probably still gonna do better than you are as like a professional writer
1: right this would be like if a stand-up comedian had never ever done a show or open mic before and they're like i've never done this but i'm funny my friends all say i'm funny i'm gonna i'm funny yeah, I'm gonna, I'm going to be the new opener for everybody. I'm like, what? No, sit down. Yeah.
0: So the gist of it is there was a writer who I think is a journalist or as a content writer of some sort. And she was writing about how the pandemic, um, she discovered Outlander, uh, which I have not read or watched. And she said, um, it got her into reading, um, romance and she said she half-heartedly her words half-heartedly read some romance but she found it not very well written and raunchy and so she decided to take it upon herself to write even better romance and erotica and she, she was just she was on this journey about how she wrote some more you know the better romance, better erotica, more smut. And she went on this journey. And she basically like in the article as well as the uh, headline said, you know, there isn't enough smart romance. I want to read really steamy romance. So I'm going to go out on this journey and do it, write the books that don't exist. And then she posted it this morning at like 9 a.m. Eastern and she got promptly ripped apart by a romance <laughs> within hours.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll probably share, I'll share her Huffington Post her huffing her huff post uh article in the show notes if people are interested but the the title of it is i started writing porn during the pandemic here's how it changed my life first of all do not come in here to a genre that you know nothing about and call it porn
0: yeah there's no problem with writing porn first of all like you can write all the porn you want have for sure and, but you can't go to this genre and say like I'm going to be the next great erotica writer or whatever. You just, you just can't do that. There's a, like there are genre expectations, and like by just by saying that, you're
1: just demonstrating how unfamiliar you are with those genre expectations and whatever. Well, and I mean, yeah, like first off she doesn't understand the terms. She doesn't know what porn is versus erotica versus erotic romance versus steamy romance or just romance in general. Like she doesn't understand. And she just is using all these terms all together. And it's like, okay, no, no, no. Those are different things. So you obviously don't know what you're talking about. And the fact that she's calling outlander erotica in the first place is... I mean like I guess she doesn't specifically say Outlander is erotica but she said I wrote I you know I I was watching I don't even think she read the books I was watching Outlander became obsessed tried to find something else once uh, I got up on episodes to kind of like curb that appetite that's when she tried a few romance novels and was like and and (laughs) let me find the actual quote oh my god With the season ended, I when the season ended, I tried to find a replacement somewhere new to escape to. I made a half-hearted attempt, like Joanne said, to read romance novels, but whatever I found was either poorly written or just too raunchy. They lacked the story and emotional connection I was searching for, and the scorching sex I craved. This is one thing over and over and over that I myself have said, and like pretty much every romance writer uh, has questioned how is it too raunchy but also not enough scorching sex yeah like what the fuck is she wanting and looking for
0: right and oh gosh i just the whole thing just reeks of like how condescending someone is she's not reading the same romance books i am because I, mm-hmm. I both know there are so many good romance novels out there of all heats, like clean romance sweet romance steamy romance kinky romance erotica and she, she, I don't know why she even claims she half-heartedly read, because that just, like, shows she didn't even make a true, like, genuine attempt to understand the romance genre.
1: Right, and since then, people have called her out on that, rightly so, and she was like, well, that was true at the time, but since then I read, like, 10 romance novels a week. Okay, then why didn't you ask if you could edit that part, because that's not even true then, like... I want to know when she wrote this versus like today you know like what is this time frame uh in between and because I mean that's a big jump like how does she start finding books worth quote-unquote worth reading in her opinion that now she reads 10 a week versus couldn't find anything at all so I had to do it better yeah and here is where the intrigue the plot thickens.
0: <laughs> Actually, I think this is before she posted it. She started recommending, like, a- guess she has a platform of people who are asking her for recommendations and so she posted a few like tagged a few authors including a pen name that may be her own pen name.
1: yeah <laughs> so, so that's, that's is, the that's the crazy thing so you know
0: right and she's like hey here are some people and she hasn't disclosed her pen name in her article here's no. people i recommend of course outlandia oh, sorry outlandia <laughs> outlandia <laughs> Romance Landia has like the best ferreting and PI skills, and someone may have found her pen name, and she tagged her own pen name under under recommended romance, which is fine. If someone was looking for romance and I had a romance book out, I'd recommend my own book. I feel good about that. But if you can't do that in the same breath as saying I'm going to put down the entire romance genre, but I'm going to recommend my book because I think I did romance better than the all the other romance books, right?
1: that's insane like uh, i mean oh my god like i just like i have no words really because like it's so bonkers that she thought this was a good idea like and you know the 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 twitter account that we are pretty sure is her pen name currently has like 15 followers i would have no idea what type of numbers she has with like people actually purchasing her books her first book right. is free so I'm sure that has more downloads than everything else and and it sounds like she's writing more novellas than full novels which there's no problem with that I'm not a huge novella person because I never feel like the story arc is as complete as I would want it to be personally but she's written what she say like six books during the pandemic yeah something like that, and has, like, a couple more lined up to, like, releasing one a month. I'm like, cool, people do that. And some people are really fast writers, and that's fine. But, like, I have, I find it really hard to believe that she's, like, using really good editors and, like, all these other things I and I can't I've never read it and I probably will never read her books because I was like oh maybe I'll download the free one just to check it out and I was like no I don't want her thinking she's better than she actually is I'm not going to touch that I want someone to like live tweet her book
0: because I don't want to like give her like my clicks and stuff so she makes money off of it but I do want someone to live tweet it
1: see yeah and that's why I I semi-considered I was like oh if I did this I could like share what it's about and how it is with everyone else but I'm like I I don't know I'm very busy right now so I really shouldn't waste my time doing that we'll see how I feel in like a week or two if I even still care about this uh (laughs) and maybe I'll download her first book to to see
0: yeah I um I think so this lady and I are in a similar group I'm in a writing group and I posted a comment after it and I was not trying to like be I was not trying to bully her I was just trying to educate her about. The implications of her writing, and um, at least three literary agents have been like, That's a bad take. <laughs> and I walked up to her. I was like, Three literary agents actually have, you know, said that your take is kind of shitty. So I watch out where you're posting this article. And she was like, Oh, this was not a good look. <laughs> and I was like, No, it isn't. I hope that you never look for a book deal because I feel like you step on a few toes.
1: Right, for sure, and it's one of those things. It, like, I feel like every couple of months there's a big, big drama in romance landia regarding some random author that most people haven't really heard of. Like, has maybe their own little following, but they're not like one of the big giant names. And part of me always wonders, like, how much is this, dra- ju- this drama, like, helping them versus hurting them? Like, suddenly their name is being talked about all the time. And then people get curious and so then they're like, well, I'm going to check them out just to like kind of hate read or whatever, but that's still benefiting them or the fans that they do have like double down and hardcore support that person and get more people mm-hmm. to support. Yeah. So it's always really interesting to me, like mm-hmm. what ends up happening with some of these people, like with cocky gate a year or two ago or things oh, like yeah. that, like does, does she exist anymore or, you know. A year ago, the author who was writing the gymnastics books uh, with the underage girl. Uh, Gag. Right? Like these people that like end up getting banned from Amazon and shit like that, but like I feel like they still end up having like a behind the scenes like kind of black market kind of following and i'm just always very curious a part of
0: me also like i have like conspiracy theorists cuz i feel like every time i talk about like systemic oppression or something i feel like other people think i'm a conspiracy theorist cuz i'm like look at all these things um but i also feel like a conspiracy theorist when i say like a so part of me wonders if people do that on purpose to, like, exactly like when i think about that like did they engineer this to like cement the shitty followers they have, but also like start people talking about them and subtweeting about them. I have no idea. Um but it's it's just one of those things like when I point it out to people and like I think about like, hey, did they do this on purpose because they just want to like further marginalize people or like come off shitty? And there's a specific segment of the population that's just like, yeah, you have a good point. You
1: know, <laughs> make America great again. <laughs> like like, uh, oh, no, no. Well, I don't. I, I, uh, like, and this person, she like she does have a lot of writing experience, just not romance and fiction writing. Like before this, she was doing nonfiction and articles. And I, I haven't looked into her to see what else she's written because again, I don't really want to give her the clicks. But. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to experiment and try something new. Like, I feel like Romance Landia is like the most welcoming place for like you're you're writing romance now too? Awesome. Join us. Woo! Oh, but it, when like she literally is talking about how once I realized that like sex scenes should have emotion behind it to help propel the plot, like, oh my God, like I'm like she she made it sound like she even invented that, and that's right. My- What the majority of romance writers who have sex in their books use it for. It's not just to get you horny. Here are at least five classes that have been taught about this in the past
0: year and three books I've published about it. Like, you are not the pioneer of using sex as a literary tool, my friend.
1: No, not at all. It's just sad. It's just like, girl, you could have written an article like this. Yeah, she could have been like, I felt sexually liberated by writing
0: erotica, and here's why. And exactly, that so cool. If she'd been like, I felt sexually liberated. I found, I discovered myself. I had better sex with my partner, etc. I'd been like, Yeah, girl, you get it. But instead, could be like, I pioneered romance as a genre.
1: <laughs> well, and I think, and this is coming from someone who has a master's in writing. I feel like people who come from a more quote-unquote literary side of writing or professional like whatever you want to call it like the non-fiction the creative non-fiction the journalists a lot of them when they dabble in this side and genre fiction like I, a lot of them already have their nose pointed up of like oh it's just it's just trivial you know smut or whatever yeah. and and as someone who has studied uh, writing a lot, I probably had a little bit of that like when I was hmm, 19 or something had kind of that mindset. Because you, if you have enough professors that kind of dig that into your head, you start believing it. But luckily in my master's program, I had a professor who was like, look, I don't care if y'all write the next great American novel or poetry or nonfiction or genre fiction, but do it well. And use the tools we're teaching you to create good characters, to have good plot, have structure. And no mat- so then no matter what you're writing, you're writing well. I'm like, cool. And I felt that was like the first like, it is okay that my interest lies in not the, you know, highbrow kind of literary world.
0: Girl, when I was an undergrad studying creative writing... There was one fiction course, exactly one fiction course that was offered once a year. And in the syllabus of that fiction of that course, it said, we were we are not writing genre fiction.
1: Oh, fuck that. I don't
0: know. I was so upset. Like I want, like looking back now, I wanted to be like, how you want to make money off your writing, huh? You can go out there, write your literary fiction. Is that how you're going to make your money? Cause <laughs> that's how you're at. That's how this works. Genre like, I have no doubt that that professor read like science fiction, fantasy, you know, all those things, women's fiction, whatever. But for some reason, they're like, you don't, you're not going to write genre fiction because you're not going to learn anything about it. And I'm um, like, I quit. I like, I literally dropped the class because I was like, this is bullshit. I just want to Good.
1: write a you
0: know, romance novel, whatever.
1: Well, yeah. And it, it is annoying because if you look at some of like the great classics that people consider classic books, a lot of them. We're genre fiction of their day. Like, people study Jane Austen. And I love Jane Austen. I've never she- read Jane Austen. Well, okay, let me be clear. I love Pride and Prejudice. I yeah. haven't really studied or read too much other than that. And that is something I do want to read. Like, I want to read more Jane Austen at some point. But, like, she wrote romance. It was just, you know, because she was writing set at that time. Now people think of it as like, a classic novel. Or, you know, reading things like Lord of the Rings uh, that is straight up fantasy, y'all. He yeah. made up the Elvish language. <laughs> like, you can't get more fantasy than that. And yet, those things are classified as classics. But when you're writing that stuff now, you're just a whatever genre writer.
0: I know. And that's like, that What blows my mind. Is these genre writers are making money, dollar double bills. <laughs> and yet we're like, no, you can't write genre fiction because, you know. That'd be too lowbrow of us. Oh, jeez. Anyways, I hope that this lady finds some really great romance to read and that she, you know, learns that you don't mess with Romancelandia.
1: Well, and, and yeah, and that was the only thing I said because I was like you know what like I don't need to be a jerk there's enough like I don't think people's reactions were being jerky for the most part some people were like being very aggressive with their opinions which whatever that's fine but I was like I'm just gonna be like my one tweet about it was hey (laughs) there are literally millions of Facebook groups for the purpose of finding books that you want to read you could have joined one and said, hey, I really like Outlander for these certain reasons. Can you please recommend me books? And I guarantee you, within three hours, you'll have way more books than you'll know what to do with. 30 minutes. <laughs> that is, yeah. <laughs> you'll you'll want to mute that post because yeah. people will be so, people, romance writers and readers are very enthusiastic about sharing the books that they've read that they've loved. And that's why we always start the show with what books have we read recently that we loved? Because Why not spread that? Do you have any final thoughts on the Julie mess? No, I think that she has taken away lessons from this experience. Let's hope. Let's really, really hope. Ugh. Okay, well, let's take a quick commercial break, and then we will be back to discuss a Christmas romance novel that we read. Who wouldn't want the hunky hero and the fantastic leading lady to be brought to life? With Love and Lust, a smutcast, indulge in a radio drama filled to the brim with romance, laughs, and all those wonderfully awkward moments that come with a new relationship. And don't forget those delicious sexy parts that make romance novels oh so fun to enjoy. Season one of Love and Lust is available now at CalamityCast.com or anywhere that you can find podcasts okay so we are back and today joanne and i are going to be talking about wiggle all the way by jan welsh yes which i have to say uh i was actually really excited when you picked this one because like you were looking at a couple and then we picked it together because i read a lot of christmas romance novels this time of year but i'd never read one that actually had sex so i got really excited really? about that
0: you have never yeah. read one romance. really Oh, you read a
1: lot of Hallmark? Is that what's going on? I don't know. Like, I think just like the ones I kept finding all just ended up being more like the the clean or um, sweet kind of like Christmas do they, books. Do they cut to black? Is that what they do? A lot of, fade, like, yeah, if if sex happens at all, it's fade to black. Um or there's no sex and just like oh and like most of is like oh there's no mention of alcohol like there's kissing maybe like they have like the sweet moments but like I don't know I don't know how I like I just kept finding like that's all the books I was finding for the last yeah. couple of years that would I was even like, mad I mean I I expect all romances to have boning in it <laughs> <laughs> So I just kind of was like, okay, if I'm going to read a Christmas book, it's going to be not sexy and that's fine. I know what I'm getting myself into. And I even had asked people like, hey, do y'all have like, anyone have recommendations for Christmas books that actually have sex? Because I know one day I want to write a Christmas book and I'm like, will will I get in trouble if there's sex in my book? (laughs) Like, is Christmas a no sex zone? (laughs) Because I have found plenty of books that are like winter set that are sexy like trapped on the snowy mountain with yep. the lumberjack boy and In proximity yes but the actual christmas ones i i struggled to find sexy ones so that's why when when you mentioned this one i was like heck yeah let's do it i'm finally excited to have some holiday boning i will read the synopsis that's on goodreads so people know a little bit about mm-hmm. it okay so gigolo all the way by jan welsh Noel L. Rudolph loves her work, her cute Harlem brownstone and drinks with the ladies. She is accomplished in every way except for the ones that matter most to her Caribbean family: marriage and children. Their incessant prodding and joking is something L refuses to deal with this holiday season. When L runs out of options, a friend jokingly suggests she hire someone, but she couldn't possibly buy a boyfriend for Christmas, or could she? She hires elite gigolo Nicholas Cole Partridge off an elite escort agency website. But when they meet, the reunion isn't all mistletoe and candy canes. His luscious lips and turquoise eyes (laughs) have her hot with anger and desire. Cole assures Elle that they will pull off the ruse with success. But when relationship rehearsals go too far and the lines between business and pleasure are blurred, Elle and Cole realize there is so much more at stake. Their hearts. Can we start with what your overall thoughts are? Yeah, uh, and, and first off, um, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, this is actually the first time on Dick of the Week where I've read the book, like the same book as the guest, and we're discussing oh, really? a book. Oh, so. so special. <laughs> yeah, it's not really like we've picked like a topic, like whatever, and just talked about the topic in general. In general, but this is the first time, so it's exciting. I am a sucker for fake relationship kind of situations. So like that that's like little candy catnip for me. Like anything that's like a fake relationship. Um there's so many books mm-hmm. I've read and so many romance and movies I've watched that that do that and I love it. And for the most part that I think this one pulled that aspect of it off pretty well. Mm-hmm. I love the majority of Elle's family. Sure. I think the whole family dynamic, because they, they, in this book, they are going to a lake house that I don't know if the family owns it or just rents it at the same time every year. That was unclear to me. It wasn't clear to me too, but I love the lake house as well. And I loved all the food and every time they drank hot yes. chocolate, I was like, I want hot chocolate from this family. <laughs> And the cookies. Oh my god! All the food. The food was amazing, and the f- like the family dynamics, yeah. the food, and they had a mix of. I mean, it's a Caribbean family. Um, it's a family of like. Uh, it seems like a lot of different ethnicities and backgrounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's Caribbean, so like so, um, some Southern, some Creole. Like there was a whole bunch of different things happening in this right. family, which is awesome. Yeah, I mean, when people describe food in books. I'm always a sucker for that. Like, yeah, for sure. I, I hate the toom- the the term foodie, but I am a foodie. <laughs> oh, no, I love descriptions of food as well. So I thought all that was great and it made me very hungry. Yeah, and all that, I mean, I'm not an eggnog person, but even like they were talking about like eggnog cookies that were boozy oh, yeah. and like, yeah. drinking eggnog. I was like, I don't even like eggnog, but I want some. I didn't, know uh, you, I didn't know you could make spiked frosting. That was something I learned from this book. Did you know that? Yeah uh i mean you can make spiked most things i've never it. thought about frosting I'm, I'm curious if you have to eat it quickly like, i feel like that would separate easily but yeah. i don't yeah, know i thought too but
0: it brought it up and i was like i'm intrigued by this concept i'm not ai don't drink a lot but i was like very
1: intrigued by the concept of spiked frosting because <laughs> i've had like chocolate bourbon balls before so like chocolate oh, that no, has no. so like chocolate that has booze in it mm, i've yeah. had that yeah but but yeah never have had boozy frosting I'm intrigued <laughs>
0: um, I liked
1: Cole as a character a lot I feel like he was very
0: level headed throughout the entire book
1: Yeah, I kind of wanted more from him though
0: yeah, yeah. I, same way I love the setup I think that the setup was so good because it started off with the conflict where she thought he was coming on to her and then he wasn't and I was just like ooh that like it hurt me <laughs> when um, that other chick Stepped into the picture And I thought that was so yeah. well Because that was like It was very clearly a lot of chemistry And then she of course got a uh, Ticked off after that
1: Yeah so the situation here was um, She she went to a holiday party For her office and afterwards a bunch of them Went to a bar and she was trying to get the bartender's Attention and she's like Who do I gotta fuck around here to yeah. get a drink <laughs> And calls right behind her And is like Um <clears throat> what would you like right. <laughs> and so he buys her a bottle of wine and the two of them are sitting together and enjoying themselves and really actually getting to know each other and elle's like oh wow this is kind of the first guy in a while that like i'm interested in and this is great but what she doesn't know is since he is a gigolo he was actually already working because his client's desire was uh, to be able to steal him away from another yeah. woman and, and feel powerful and this and that, right? So she ended up actually getting like pretty hurt from that. But later on, when uh, he ends up being the person, unknowingly he ends up being the person that she hires. He explains the situation to her, and she's like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> I'm less angry at you now." Yeah. <laughs> but I thought that was really clever and really a good way to build kind of conflict between them already. Oh, for sure. The fact that. Her friend jokingly suggests hiring someone and it kind of became like a, oh, but that could work. (laughs) It's hard um, because I know you and I both really love the Kiss Quotient. Yes, I thought about that. The Kiss Quotient is my favorite book, Uh, favorite
0: romance ever and i thought about that a lot as i was reading this Mm -hmm. one thing that really bothered me about l like throughout the entire thing like i physically wanted to shake l was uh throughout the book she has a problem with cole's uh career as a a gigolo because it keeps reminding her about like she just keeps bringing up and picking at him for it and i thought it was really really unfair because she was the one who like hired him for doing what he does and everything he does is consensual as far as we know and she keeps picking up like oh like you're the guy who sleeps with people for fun or you're the guy who you know women pay to escort them and i was just like girl sex work is work and you keep picking at him i'm going
1: to shake you
0: through these bridges
1: agreed and like whole like I mean yes, he's a gigolo, but he also seemed like such a cinnamon roll boy. Yeah. Like I just wanted, I just wanted to protect him. It and it be like, yeah, he
0: was very measured through the times. Like he kept trying to explain to her like this is career I chose. Everything I did is consensual. And he also brought an example about how a woman was going through grief after losing I think her dad. And he was like all he wanted all she wanted me to do was like hold her and provide comfort. We never had sex even though, you know, I really wanted to provide that comfort. It was all consensual and you know that shut her down really quickly and i was just like and every time he tried to explain to her like she always just
1: found another reason to pick at his job and she even like in her brain and several times out loud admitted that she was being a hypocrite because she's like i hired him for a purpose right so i am being the exact same way but knowing that he's done this for however many years with however many women i'm not okay with that and i i, I did struggle with that because one thing like And, and the problem that, like, the thing that really, like, stressed me out about that was he had made it very clear that this was his last gig. He was no longer going to be a gigolo. He was already – so it's not even, like – I've read books about porn stars and things like that where it, like, eventually they come to the conclusion, like, oh, like, if I want to have a good and healthy relationship with this particular person – I need to leave the porn industry, which I kind of like subconsciously was thinking anyway. And this just kind of shoved me into that direction. No, he had already decided ahead of time. This is my last one. He actually wasn't even supposed to do this. The night he met Elle was already his last client, but he decided to be like, okay, fine. This will be my last job because he liked Elle from the beginning. And he's like, okay, sure. I will do this for her because I liked her. She intrigued me. And she still just rubbed that in his face nonstop. Wow. And it's like, girl. And he he like several times they got in a fight about it. And he's like, I am not a prostitute. I do not sleep with every client. And when I do sleep with a client, it's because both of us wants it, not because because he he even said like he knew his last client wanted to sleep with him. Yeah. But he said no, and she respected that, like because that's not what he's paid to do.
0: Yeah, and if you compare that to Kiss Quotient, again, one of my favorite romances of all time. So good. Uh, It's so good. So Stella knows the entire time, but she's very respectful about it. She talks to him. She does ask him at one point about his previous clients because – She's insecure about like being out of practice sexually and romantically, but it never becomes like a point of contention, right? She kind of brings it up and he addresses it and it like they let it go. And he kind of just goes back to doing his thing. And it never becomes a point where she, she feels like it feels like she's being hypocritical. I think it's just like, she feels maybe a little insecure, maybe a little curious because she, um, she doesn't have the experience that he does. Um, yeah. It doesn't become where points where she rubs it in like time and time and again right
1: right whereas Elle even admits that she's had a good amount of sex with a good amount of partners and like has had her wild times and so she's like I understand there's things in my past too it's just I wasn't being paid for any of those things and she later finds out that he had sex on this web series with a client that was about like fulfilling women's fantasies or whatever and that freaked her out which like okay i can get that be like okay it's one thing if i knew you're a gigolo and we might potentially run into clients and that could be weird but as long as i mean i don't even think it would be weird because most of the clients probably are like not going to be like oh calm like they would understand that either he's out of the business because they should all know that by now because the 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 whatever he worked for would have told them or just be like, oh, he's on a job, I can't bother him. Seeing I I could I could I mean, I personally, if I saw a video of my spouse or partner or whatever having sex with someone and I wasn't expecting that, like, that would probably freak yeah. me out a little yeah. bit. But he explains it to her. <laughs> can i just adjust like the video
0: thing because i i thought about another book um if you haven't read prime minister by zoe york please do because i adore that book it's so good prime minister and his intern and they handle the issue with like the employment power dynamics pretty well so highly recommend it and spoiler alert ahead if you don't mind yeah go for it there's a sex tape that's leaked um a sex tape that he made essentially with the previous partner the partner knows nothing about leaking it and someone just mm-hmm. found it and leaked it and um she freaks he, she, she sees it she freaks out but instead of like them fighting about it the two people come together and be like hey i know this is really uncomfortable for you i didn't know about this you know coming out and i didn't mean for this to hurt you and it becomes a point where they actually strengthen their relationship and i find that like a lot more reasonable. Maybe that like they're very well-adjusted adults. Um, I find that very reasonable uh, as opposed to being like, I hate you being a gigolo and a sex worker and I'm going to hold it above you because I am so morally... <laughs> than
1: you are well and i think the the slight difference there would be that was something that was leaked versus cole put out something on purpose yeah but it, it wasn't like he put out amateur porn which again no. even if he had done that even if he had done that like what okay whatever that's in his past yeah but this was like for a show for a purpose and i don't know like, i i understand that the way she found out probably spiked the emotions more so like if she had found out more organically or through him, what happened was her brother's very, very drunk girlfriend slash fiance question mark. I I wanted to strangle her too. Oh Uh my God. She was horrible, but like hover horrible to the almost over the top. Yeah. So one thing I have with issue with that is like
0: her main role was to destroy relationships and she wasn't, fleshed out her at all which is yes. fine but she was just kind of like i'm gonna destroy your relationship and then she never existed
1: ever again she didn't have a personality outside of that right oh no not at all it was literally w- w- scarlet her name was yeah. scarlet uh it was literally i'm gonna start flirting with cole even though i'm right next to your brother my boyfriend yeah and also then she gets very drunk for whatever reasons and blurts out that Elle's cousin uh, is potentially oh going through god. a divorce. Wow, yeah, the two
0: truths and the lie scene. I was like rubbing my eyeballs because I was like, "Scarlet, you drunk bitch." <laughs> <laughs> I was
1: like, "You messy drunk bitch." Why? Oh my god! So, and, and that that scene actually did really confuse me because did she? So they play truth, two truth and lie. She says, "Hey,
0: this person's getting a divorce. We're getting engaged." and Cole has recorded sex on live television and everyone's like why did you do this like why was this necessary
1: so but then she like switches it to be two lies and a truth which is what confused me and I don't know if that was just because she was drunk and being messy or what because she was like she was like oh i thought the lie was the divorce and the engagement I don't know. It got very confused. There. I'm like, are you engaged or are you not? Like, what the fuck is happening? And and I think all of them are also confused. And so maybe that was on purpose. I don't know. Right. It's one of those things. It's like, am I supposed to be confused or was there like a missing word here? Right. I just like just her whole character was so messy. So messy. I really liked Holly, though.
0: Yeah, she was great. I think that was a great contrast to have against who Al, was, who was like, you know, the family reaction to her announcing a divorce, right? It was so interesting to have that contrast. The whole family was like, oh, what the fuck? Versus finding out, like, Cole uh, is a hired escort, right? And them getting mad again. But Holly, I think it was really interesting to see in the epilogue that Holly was like, "We got ther- we got therapy and we worked it out. And I was like, yeah, you go, girl.
1: That made me very happy. That made me very happy that, like, because I mean, it sounded like this family in general tends to marry early and young, yeah. and so she at one point kind of warns L to be like, "Hey, like, take your time. Don't rush into anything. Don't let the right. pressure of the family affect you this way because it could bite you in the ass." And like, she kind of hinted a few times throughout the book that things weren't so great between her and I think his name was Spencer. Yeah, and 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 then we get the the big bomb of he has. They weren't actually getting divorced, but he had thrown out the idea of divorce. And, yeah. but, and I'm glad. Like, I was like, that is a very healthy way for them to handle this situation. That like they tried things to figure things out on their own, and then sought out professional help, and <laughs> went from there. And luckily, yeah. it worked out. Yeah, that made. That made me uh, happy.
0: Yeah, and I was like so happy, like oh, you got couple therapy and counseling, which is great.
1: I'm curious, and I, I and I, I I saw something recently that was talking about someone posted somewhere. Who knows? I don't even know what app I was on anymore, but someone being like like normalizing couples and individuals having therapy and books.
0: Yeah, it, I think it was an editor at um. It was Christine. Oh, I don't remember. She's an editor at Berkeley. He's like, I see so many of my character of my client's characters going through therapy and I want to normalize this. And I was like,
1: yes. Mm hmm. I think that's absolutely wonderful. You know, because there are times that that is a necessary thing oh, for, for sure. individuals or couples. And I'm glad that is a situation that's a, a topic that is being talked about more. Random thing something happened in this book that's a pet peeve of mine I'm not
0: talking specifically in this book that how about executed but one of my biggest pet peeves is in the black moment when like a family member intervenes to give advice to the main character that's like one of my biggest pet peeves ever when like the main character is like wallowing and blah 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 and then like the best friend or family character is like hey here's how you can change your perspective and I'm like uh why oh no i know it's one of my biggest things because it uh it feels cheap it feels really really easy and like you can like it it's totally fine this is completely personal preference but it happens all the time and most of the time i'm just like "Eh, whatever but i hate it when they're like here's the advice you need to solve your problem i'm coming in to give you advice and i'm like why
1: why I maybe have a little bit of that in my my first book but (laughs) okay it's fine I
0: see it happen but it's one of those things like I would rather very much a character have that epiphany on their own and then make the choice out of their own agency to admit they were wrong like if Elle was like hey I you know I absolutely recognize that I shit on your career as a sex worker and I'm really sorry I did that, but I want to support you in whatever career that you want to do. And I've been like, cool. Thanks. And yeah and it's one of those things Like, also just want to add like Nick did Nothing wrong in that relationship <laughs> That's like one of the imbalances I Found that was interesting like Nick stayed In his lane did his thing was respectful The entire time mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. was the one who really needed To do the development work on her own
1: Oh I agree with that thoroughly and like I feel like she did kind Of come to the conclusion that She fucked up yeah. on her own And that she wanted to fix it But then she didn't have a method to fix it because they had never exchanged personal information despite the fact how did she not have something Mm -hmm. of his okay that blew my mind she's like I made his business cards
0: I made his website I don't have his contact information and I'm like girlfriend you needed his email at least and his phone number at least in order to make those documents for him.
1: Right. Like they talked about how she made a new email address for his website that hadn't been activated yet. But I'm like, but you needed something else to you like to do. Like you had his banking information, <laughs> but
0: you didn't log have- into that email, my friend. <laughs> Cause you made it for him.
1: Yeah, like and right, and she printed out business cards for him, so it had to have had some sort of contact on it. I know. I but I feel
0: like that would have been easy to fix. Me, like I didn't want to talk to him,
1: and I'm like. Great. Or I was too embarrassed or yeah, something. Like lemon squeezy. Yeah. And and, and so she ends up uh, running into him on New Year's Eve at the same party that her coworker slash like yeah. bestie or whatever took her to. I feel like he forgave her pretty fast, but whatever, that's fine. Yeah. So as like it's like as an editor, I would have been like, I'm too embarrassed to
0: talk to him, but maybe I'll invite him to the New Year's Day party, and that builds anticipation, right? is he going to show up? Is he? Going yes! To I would have built the tension, been like, I don't know if Cole's going to show up at the party. And then at that party, been
1: like, there he is, under the lights or whatever. Oh, I love that. I love that so much more. Oh, man. Here's the thing. I have to always remind myself that Christmas books typically are like a short amount of time. Yes. So people fall in love way quicker typically in Christmas books than they do in other romance novels. But this was still over the course of like two weeks, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know how much time was in between when they met at the bar versus, but it was a work Christmas party, so it all happened in December, and I think within like two two weeks or whatever, he was with her family for like eight days, yeah. which I feel like they they ended up like glossing over a lot of those days, which I think yeah. was not good because I would have liked to have seen and this is a short book like it's 134 pages I feel like they could have easily have expanded to like 200 pages and shown us a little bit more between like the first few days of arriving and then Christmas Eve and so we could have understood oh these two don't just find each other desirable and sexy like I believe that they're actually fell in love with each other.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you that he forgave her too quickly. If I was him, I would have been super petty. I've been like, you need to do some education about sex work. <laughs> you need to go do some self work about the value of human beings and their bodies and the labor they do with their bodies. <laughs> Please read some articles and take some classes and then I'll consider forgiving you <laughs> if you have been properly educated. <laughs> I was taking that petty to the next line. That's also just me, and you know how I feel about um, sex workers and being protected. Sex work being protected, uh, and being honored. But I agree with you on that. And it did. There was like there was like one chapter where they're like, we skied, we slept, we played board games and stuff. And I was like, I want to Just dis- I want to see you play board games and skiing and baking cookies together. The, the the cookie baking one was cute. It was. I wanted to be there in that scene, baking cookies and eating her cookies.
1: It just sounds so cozy and warm and wonderful. Yeah, and oh my god. Okay, so the you mentioned the skiing. I do have to say that the the scene when they're skiing, and she ends up going down the wrong slope and almost like really badly hurts herself, and his reaction was so, like oh my god, I'm like Cole, you're so cute. Oh. Like, he- no.
0: I've never been skiing before, so I don't know how serious her injury was or quit out thin. Um, but I mean, people die um, if they don't know what they're doing what they're skiing, oh, or, 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 you or you can like. But when he got back to the house and like threatened the brother, I was just like, "Yes, get him!" <laughs> and then I loved how the dad reacted. I was like, "You deserve that for letting her kill <laughs> herself," and
1: I was just like, "Yes, yes, go into bed <laughs> mode." <laughs> He just got so protective. And, like, you knew at that moment, like, this is, this is not him pretending. This is real emotion on his end. Yeah. That he was scared to death for her and was terrified that he wasn't going to get to her soon enough. And luckily she wasn't hurt, but could have been. Yeah, like, my, my brother-in-law is um, a pretty solid snowboarder and still, like, broke his clavicle pretty badly in Colorado and had to have surgery and like <laughs> so oh, like you, you even if you know what you're doing shit can happen and you can get pretty badly injured so her going down a slope that was well beho- well above her skill set was not great. I also have never uh, skied. And at this point in my life, don't think I ever have a desire to. I hate the colds. I will not do anything that that forces me to be
0: cold and athletic at the same time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like my in-laws have talked about like, oh, it'd be kind of cool if we like got a house somewhere in the mountains and, you know, for like whoever wanted to ski or snowboard or whatever could do that. I'm like, cool, cool, cool. I have no qualms with that. Uh, I'll probably be the little snow bunny in the lodge by the fire reading a book. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be in the snow. I'll be in the ski lodge with my hot chocolate with my book. You guys have
0: fun. Let me know when you guys want to go back inside. <laughs> <laughs> like
1: I, I, I don't. Well, I don't love the cold, but being in the Midwest, I'm used to the cold. And I like I do some like snow hiking or snowshoeing or something like that. But no, I don't have any desire to put skis or snowboards on my feet and go down the side of no. a fucking mountain Absolutely not. <laughs> so did you like the one-year jump that happened in the epilogue okay so here's my thing about epilogues
0: Ah, uh, i don't mind epilogues at all i see their purpose but um i'll probably never write a book where the heroine gets married and has a baby because mm. I that happens in way too much romance. I don't think I've written a book where they've gotten married. I think I've written a book where they've gotten engaged, but very pointedly in both the books I've written so far um, that I'm working on with my agent, both the heroines were like, I'm not thinking about babies or marriage right now. And I just kind of leave it at that. Yeah, that's like, that's the thing because I just don't, I don't think we need more books with babies in them. Uh, one of my least favorite trolls is Secret Babies. And- ah! <laughs> like, it much gives me anxiety. I'm like, why is it secret? What happened? Like, why are you having a baby by yourself? This is so stressful and traumatic for everybody involved. And I think um, a friend of mine, Olivia uh, Olivia Dade, who wrote Spoiler Alert, as well as many, she has a huge backlist, but her recent debut is Spoiler Alert, which I'm really excited about. Um, I think that's on my Christmas list, actually. Oh, I'm, it's on my TBR. I have it on my shelf. I'm so excited about it. Uh, she wrote like I if there was a secret baby book the secret baby has to be so secret it doesn't exist and I'm like same (laughs) Same. I don't want that baby to exist anywhere near my book I don't mind like single parent books where like they have the baby and it's like not a secret but like their lover left them or something but I don't know why a baby has to be secret especially when you're in the United States and we don't have health insurance or that's great. That covers maternal care. And then like the emotional toll and physical toll of having a baby stresses me out so much that like when people say secret baby, I'm
1: like, no, thank you. Please take that away from me. Yeah. And I have the same reaction even for surprise babies. Oh no, not even surprise babies. I, okay. I, I
0: think I've written a couple of stories where they like accidentally have a baby, but like it resolves pretty quickly. where the hero and heroine are like, Oh, okay, like let's figure this out. But like, surprise babies? No. Yeah. I'm
1: so stressed out just thinking about it. Like, I feel like every time I like fear I might be pregnant, like oh. just like takes years off my life. Oh well, yeah, exactly. If I like had a surprise pregnancy, I'm like we're
0: getting the fuck out of here. We're moving to England where they cover that shit because I need his health insurance. I'm not paying for this baby. <laughs> I'm sorry, baby, but. This isn't happening
1: unless I have universal health care that ha- provides
0: <laughs> paternal health care or paternal
1: health care. No kidding. Oh my God. Yeah. So I mean, like, I don't love so in the epilogue of this book, as a year goes by and they very quick like, like they I hmm. Here's my thing is they get married pretty quick, which like, okay, whatever. I Some people that do that. I, that's the thing
0: uh, they get married very quickly which is unusual to me for a relationship that develop so quickly yeah like for example like my husband and i were engaged for like two and a half years before we were like oh we should probably get married at some point. <laughs> that's a thing we should do <laughs> yeah. how long were you together before engaged um we were dating for like two months and then we got engaged with the um Forethought that we were being engaged for a very long time because oh um, we were long distance for a year and a half, and then we lived together for a while, and then we we're like, "Yep, getting married. We're we're gonna do this for a while."
1: <laughs> oh my god, you got
0: engaged after two months? Yeah. Oh, so here's a short story about. um I had a phase. After a really long serious relationship, where I was like, "I'm gonna date people for a while," and that lasted two months because I was like, so sick of men, <laughs> I was, like, so sick of dating men. I was sick of dating, and I was like, "Why are people so shitty when they're dating other people?" And then I met Thomas, and I was like, "This is cool. I could hang out with this person for a really long time." And we were friends for a little bit before we were like, "Cool, we're in this relationship now." And then I was like. I'm so done with dating. This guy is the real deal. He has a lot of qualities I like. I'm just going to lock this shit down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, my so God.
0: He's a winner. He is a pro. He's an absolute gem. So, like, the book. I don't remember the epilogue. I'm going to look, skip to it really quick. But I felt like the wedding was really really fast as well
1: yeah Um, so okay so i mean obviously december is when they met then i think it was the following september is when they got married and they got pregnant immediately after that and then it's december when they're back at the christmas lodge and they announced to their family that they're pregnant which like i think she's like 31 or 32 okay so like i feel like there are times when you're like once you're in your 30s and you have done the dating thing and then you finally find your person you're like well why wait kind of yeah. kind of thing like I get it but it was just weird because we didn't get a whole lot of seeing their relationship develop in the first place and then we didn't get to see the engagement yeah I feel like maybe it was
0: preempted like uh, with a previous conversation where they're like hey do you want kids yeah I would love to have kids I would love to get married as quickly as possible that I would have expected and been like These, this is normal for like this couple right this couple Wants to lock that shit down, put a bun in the oven, get it (laughs) And I've been like, okay, epilogue makes sense for their goals and their values. But it wasn't preempted with any kind of conversation like that. So it was surprising.
1: Yeah, the only thing we ever really got was – her family typically married quickly and immediately had babies, right? But oh, yeah. she always, but she always made it sound like that wasn't what she wanted, right? Exactly, because she's like, I'm happy alone. I'm happy living by myself. Totally fine. <laughs> yeah. So what? Ex- so I mean, he has a like psychology background mm-hmm. and then has his gigolo background. But what exactly is? his job now like i was very i was getting confused uh, like him setting up his like consulting thing and then
0: behavioral analysis he mentioned something about behavioral analysis and touch therapy yeah so i don't i i don't know because cause consulting can be anything right like for example if i do business consulting i consult businesses on any facets of their business so
1: that i don't know i think she left it pretty vague probably on purpose Yeah. <laughs> but then you know he ended up working with like a famous TV personality that kind of sounds like a Dr. Oz kind of thing or whatever, or um, the other one that Oprah always worked with, Dr. Phil, Uh, but a female. Dr. Phil, yeah. It was kind of like a female Dr. Phil, and he ends up being like the co host of that. So now he's like semi famous with his sex work or whatever. I was just a little confused, like the entire time, because she was part of the plot, is her helping him get that shit figured out. And I was like, I don't understand what this job even is, but yeah. maybe I'm not. It, it it didn't really matter. I was just curious. <laughs> also, like, I'm going to be
0: super nitpicky. This is me being nitpicky, and this isn't a reflection of the author. This is a reflection of me being anal retentive. When. Elle was like, I need three more clients so I can go full-time freelance. And I'm like, that's not how freelancing happens, my, my, my friend. You're going to need those three clients for the rest of your life. You're, like, you're going to keep working for those clients um, as a freelance. Like I'm a freelance editor and, never, and no point was like, I need two more clients and then I feel good going full-time. It's like a constant hustle, right? You Unless those clients oh, are for sure. ongoing, then you would be like, I feel comfortable after I make a certain amount of money. but just Nick being
1: nit- Yeah, I think what she meant was if she got a couple more clients with her current job, then her bank account would be at a comfortable level and she'd oh, feel okay leaving. Yeah. I think that's what she was saying because her timeline changed when she used a chunk of that money yeah. to pay for Cole, which then Cole didn't accept and gave back to her. Yeah, and I was like, oh, Cole, why? <laughs> Take your money. <laughs> Which, I mean, and, and I'm glad he says, like, look, I had planned to do that from the get go. Oh, uh, you just ruined it by breaking up with me instead. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm glad it wasn't. Oh, he decided not to accept the money because of what happened. Like, it was already his plan and he just went ahead with the plan. Yeah. All in all, where what would you kind of rank this as a Christmas book? This is the only Christmas moments I've ever read. What?
0: This is the only Christmas romance I've ever read. I have. What? Yes, I don't really. So I always collect Christmas romances. Like I had a few last year that I was like excited to read. But I'm so bad at like sitting down and getting through them that I have never really read a Christmas. I think I've read a Hanukkah romance that I don't remember very well. um, But I don't really usually read holiday romances. I like the idea of reading (laughs) holiday romances I just never get around to it because I procrastinate so bad
1: that is hilarious yeah
0: um yeah I have like I literally I'm opening my kindle right now I have a book by Jackie Lau called her pretend Christmas date which sounds like it's right up your alley because you love fake relationships um yeah I have them downloaded I just have never gotten around to actually reading them
1: oh my, oh my god I totally would have assumed that because you love Christmas so much I do love uh, Christmas. <laughs> That this would be something that you would, like, jump on. No, right I her- have,
0: I have, I'm so bad at progress, like, when Christmas comes around, I basically watch Elf, and
1: then I call it good. <laughs> Elf is an excellent movie. I love Elf. Bye, buddy, I hope you find your dad. <laughs> so, are you not, are you not, like, a Christmas rom-com kind of person? Like, um, like, movies? No, I'm not a big movie person. Um, yeah. They have a really short
0: attention span. Mm. um so i don't sit down and watch a lot of things um related to christmas i'm just like like i just crank up the christmas music mm-hmm. that's that's what i do i love christmas though the okay so what is your favorite christmas song Ooh, that's a i love mariah carey's all i want for christmas
1: is you i can listen I mean, to that non-stop i i do love that song i love and christmas. not you know, like I feel like so many people give that song shit, but I unironically
0: adore that song. Um I know, okay, this is contentious and I know it's controversial, but I love Baby It's Cold Outside. I absolutely know the criticisms of it. I like completely understand why people hate it. Um and I completely I think completely... those criticisms are wrong, quite um, honestly. I did I like, actually read a thing about how that's this song is actually like very um what's the word? It's written in a way where it's subversive for the time period it was written by.
1: Exactly. And then that, yes, I, I have I, read that.
0: thought that was really interesting, like, where she was saying, like, she's only saying those things because she couldn't be, like, overtly, like, yeah, I want to stay over and bang, right? But she kind of has those, like, she's acting coy because that's what was expected of her during those times, but it's actually very subversive. Like she's like very like hinty, but I love that song.
1: Yeah, no, I I have read that too, and I I feel like that's accurate. Like I feel like it is not at all a rapey
0: no, or no. no
1: I m- I have never manipulative
0: song. No, I've never um thought about that way.
1: Well, awesome. Okay, so we finish every episode of Dick of the Week with me reading a pickup line oh. to my. To, to my host or guest yeah. so I'm gonna give you a Christmas pickup line Ooh, fun if you could pick a number between 1 and 25 13 13 <laughs> please let's hear it I'm not Santa but do you want to sit on my lap and tell me what you want for this Christmas oh no, That'd be such a good. Okay, I also kind of want like a
0: Santa romance where someone like picks up like dad bod silver fox Santa. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's like weird, but like just imagine saying like Santa as like a single like silver fox and someone seducing Santa for Christmas.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. seducing Santa for Christmas. Uh-huh. There we go. There's a the title. Someone, please write it. <laughs> I will write that down in my book of ideas <laughs> yeah. Santa for Christmas, okay, well, joanne, uh, what do you have any social media you want to plug for people if they want to find you and keep track of what you're doing and when your books are coming well, out and all I'm
0: that on, um Instagram and uh, the bird app, Twitter. <laughs> um, my handle is hey jo h e y j o m a c Gine. So um I tweet a lot about, just writing and reading and stuff like that so it's pretty random
1: yeah and then I know you have a couple of anthologies are those books that are still available they're not available anymore they've been taken
0: down but um, I'm planning to revamp those stories for freebies for my newsletter subscribers so if you subscribe there's a very good chance that those stories will be coming out free to my subscribers someday in the future
1: well awesome sign up for Joanne's email then because that sounds fun well thank you so much and um to our listeners you can find us um at lnl smutcast on twitter or on facebook you can do whatever you want listen to the thing after i'm done talking i'll give all the contact information and joanne thank you so much for being my special guest today yeah of course i love it awesome thank you for listening We would love to hear from you, so contact us at lnlsmutcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at lnlsmutcast. Find episodes of this and other great shows at calamitycast.com or wherever you find your podcast. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Dick of the Week.
0: This has been a Calamity Cast production. For more content, visit calamitycast.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.